Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hi, everybody. This is Brian back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And today I've got with me my friend, Suzanne Wilson. I've known her for, I guess, about six years now. It's hard to believe. Uh, Suzanne is an accomplished medium. She's got a broad knowledge about the afterlife, afterlife communication, and paranormal paranormal subjects. Her teaching and presentations are always engaging and informative, as well as entertaining. She has the entire audience actively engaged in her presentations. She's a, she's known as the Carefree Medium. She lives uh, in Carefree, Arizona. Uh, she is an author. She's a medium, a paranormal presenter, as I said. Um, she's appeared in several venues, including Coast to Coast AM, Gaia TV, and Amazon Prime. She's a faculty member of the Superpower Movement, a film series dedicated to igniting your intuitive intelligence. She holds a master's degree in public affairs policy, a bachelor degree in management and certifications from Stanford University. University. She's also recognized globally as a researcher and a beloved educator on a wide range of paranormal topics. Um, So she is, she's just an incredibly accomplished woman. She's an author and she has a podcast and and everything else. So with that, I want to welcome my friend, Suzanne Wilson. Hi, Brian. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's really great to have you here. Um, You know, it's interesting, as I was saying, I've known you now for about six years. People that listen to the show know I've had a lot of medium readings. Uh, you were the first experience I had with the medium, which was uh, setting a high bar. I was, it was an incredible reading. I still remember it, you know, six years later. I'm glad. So uh, what I wanted to do today is talk to you about where you are currently. I know that um, you've had some some transitions over the last you know few years in terms of doing one-on-one readings, and I think you're back doing some of those now. So tell me about what how things have been for you lately. Well, you know, um, I often quote John Lennon, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. And I sort of got on autopilot and was very overworked. I mean, it's it's funny because I I was telling a friend who is a bereaved parent, man, I'm so burnt out from other people's grief. And she goes, well, imagine how it is to be a bereaved parent. You know, we're really burnt out. But we keep going. And she, I think that friend really meant well and always like, you know, always really was supporting me. Um, even though I had moved away, we had been neighbors when I lived in Florida. 
But that struck me like, oh, she's my sign to keep going and keep going. And I really kind of worked myself into illnesses and um, flare ups of a chronic condition and stuff like that. And I realized, man, I'm out of balance here. I, I just, you can't be all about other people. I went through a divorce between 2020 and 2021. And it just sort of broke open everything. Like, this is the rest of your life. This is the final part of your life. What do you want to do with it? And um, I experimented. I stepped away from one-on-one uh, mediumship for a while. I, I, I said the other day, it was like a year. And one of my friends says, dude, it's been like a year and a half since you did anything like that. And it gave me time to heal my grief, my mm-hmm. grief from um, a marriage ending, a marriage of over 30 years ending, um, build up my own immune system again get myself together. And then I realized God didn't send me here just for other people. He he sends us, he, she, they sends us here to identify and leverage our unique gifts, Mm -hmm. but it's not all about using them for other people. It's also about yourself. It's also about accepting yourself and where you are and then bringing the best of you to other people. And you can't do that if you run yourself ragged and you don't honor your own grief and go walk through that grief and give yourself time. So yeah, I've been, I've been through a ton. Yeah. And I, and the thing about people like yourself, you're such a giving person and people demand so much from you. And I know it can be easy to get, you know, in that, in that mode where it's like, I've got to do more. I've got to do more. How long was your waiting list at one point? I know it's been incredibly long. Yeah, it took over three years, even I think it took even longer than that. But when it hit a thousand, I sort of broke down. And what helped me there was, I was thinking, oh, it's all it's all about me. That's that's the ego saying I've got to get to all these people. Mm -hmm. And granted, I would get some emails saying, I think I'm going to end my life if I can't get a reading with Suzanne. And I was I was just overwhelmed with all of that. But I I had to step back and go, they don't even know me. And to think that I'm the end all be all and getting messages when you can get your own messages direct, I had to take some action. What made me feel better is I developed over several years and certified five evidential mediums. Hmm. And so there were people that would go to them and there were people that would insist on weight. And so fortunately, when we were getting to the phone calls, my the people that work with me were getting to the phone calls and saying, okay, you're up. They're like, oh, forget about it. I already got somebody. So I didn't have to do all of them, but mm. I did. I did most of them. It was crazy. So you did clear up your waiting list for the most part. Wow. I did. And okay. then, and it was the timing and you and I have talked about timings of things and there's no accident to certain timings in our, our lives. Right after that, then my marriage was just ending. Mm. And so I realized I have space created now where I can focus on the things that I need to do. And I'm actually friends with my ex-husband now, but I created that space myself and saying, go take care of you. Your soul Mm. needs to heal. Your soul needs to grieve before you can help anybody else. And by the way, this is the first time I've even talked about having a divorce 
which is like a big moment for me to even say that, but you create that safe space and you attract that audience that there's somebody there needing to hear this, that we so-called spiritual people don't have perfect lives. We're having the experiences that you guys are having too. Yeah, we we tend to put people on pedestals and we think that uh, you're living, you know, a perfect life. And I know you had some grief events also. I mean, of course, a divorce is a grief event. So for people that don't know that any type of loss can be a grief event, but also losing some people who transition to the next world. And that was this year, earlier this year, on um, April 30th, I heard that my stepfather had passed. And that was bittersweet because he was very unhealthy, very unhappy. And I'm pretty sure he was praying to pass because my guides would come in and say, you know, he really wants to go. I couldn't figure out what is it that's keeping him here. And um, he moved to a new place where he felt comfortable and he could let go. And he, there he was, he was gone. Mm. And then a few hours later, I thought he came to me. It was really weird, Brian, because he wasn't really a spiritual person. He just was like this hardworking guy for most of his life. And I mean, he paid for my braces when I was a kid. He worked extra shifts in a printing factory to pay for my braces. And he did the best that he could. Mm -hmm. He didn't know much um, about spirituality. I went to my grandfather, my preacher granddad for that, but I appreciated him. And um, over the years, I I told him in person, uh, you know, I thank you for paying for my braces because after my mom and him divorced a long time ago, uh, I wanted him to know how much I appreciated what he did for me um, when he was married to my mom. And uh, so in the last couple of years, he, he didn't know how to use Facebook. He had like 12 Facebook accounts and I don't like to do the, the DM thing because I get so much spam, like, what do you see for my future? Stuff like that. I'm like, we don't have time for this. But I would install for like a day, the instant messenger. And um, we'd always make jokes about teeth, like there'd be a smiley face with a big teeth or whatever. And I've started to now see that in different places. So I think that may be a sign for him. Mm. Um, I haven't seen a synchronicity with it yet. So and you know me, I've got my skeptical side too. I really don't know that I had heard a lot from him. Um, Recent, very, very recently, I had a dream where um, he was smiling and showing me his teeth, that he got his teeth fixed on the other side. I'm like, okay, that's not a sign. That's a dream visit, but I love it. I'll take it any way I can get it. We don't control the how or the when, right? But a few hours after I got the news that he had died, I'm on the phone with a funeral home. And I start hearing a voice around me and I can't make it out. And so I get off the call and I just sit there and I hear this voice objectively, like meaning objective clear audiences. It's in the room. Mm -hmm. It's not in your, in your inner ear. Can't you see me? Can't you see me? Can't you see me? And then that soul just kind of whipped out of there was gone. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that would be really weird for him to do. So I texted my brother what happened, and I'm like, that doesn't sound like him. My brother's like, no, I'm really surprised. Later that night, um, in the middle of the night, we got word that my sister, my younger sister's husband, 
had died unexpectedly on a solo hike. Mm-hmm. And he had been passed when I heard, can't you see me? Can't you see me? Can't you see me? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Initial shock, initial screaming. And then was that my brother-in-law instead? It fits the personality. So I call my sister and of course she's very broken up. He's a young guy. He's like 51. And I said, do you think Aaron would have come and asked me if I could see him? Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's like, hold on a second. I'm, I'm crying. I'll get right. I'll get right back. So I'm waiting. And she comes on and says, we had a pact, whichever one of us passed first would come to you because we knew of anyone you could see us. Oh, wow. I just got goosebumps. Wow. I know. And um, so, you know, you're just processing the bittersweet of glad stepdad's on the other side. He can be with his parents. He'd been orphaned as a child. I mean, he had a really rough life before he met my mom. And, you know, you run, you run, you're, you're riding that roller coaster of that one. And then someone who I knew almost as long as my sister um, knew him, who I considered a buddy. Um, he's gone he's trying to get through and I'm still, I'm still recovering from my other griefs and here's this fresh one piled on. Mm-hmm. So I compartmentalized it so I could fly out to San Francisco and be there for my sister. And, um, and there he contacted in the room with my sister and my mom, just the three of us in a room after his funeral, he, he literally walked in and showed himself several times and we all three saw him. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it's just been an amazing couple of years. And yeah. um, I try to not judge those experiences as good, bad, or indifferent because they're so important. But I could just as easily have turned around into the workaholic mode, which I am want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took the time. I took the time and just stepped away again. I'm like, I haven't announced yet that I'm doing 101. Um, mediumship, I I had continued to do spirit guide readings. It's psychic mm-hmm. guides are easy for me. It's like breathing, mm-hmm. um, the coaching, the classes, teaching the classes. I've got classes people can stream or whatever. That was always there, but it was the individual mediumship that was like draining me dry. Mm-hmm. And now I see it, Brian. I had to get ready for all these big changes. I had to get ready to walk my own path of grief that no one would understand but me, and isn't that true for most people? Nobody really understands your grief. I mean, people can say, I'm in the same club with you because, you know, I was the carer for my mom till she's, you know, 90 and passed. I still have my mom. That's just an example. But, yeah. you know, but your grief is unique, don't you think? Yeah, everybody's grief is unique. And and we can have some clue of what the other person's going through because we've had something, something similar, but we never know subjectively what they're, what they're experiencing. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. And, I, and thank you for being so vulnerable. Uh, I think it's really important for people to understand, again, you have a, a normal life with the, the same ups and downs as the rest of us do, because you're, you're celebrity and we didn't tend to put people on pedestals. And I think the message of self-care as I've been doing this work for the last three years, formerly, is the most important thing there is. I mean, whatever kind of grief we're going through, the first thing we have to do is take care of ourselves. And some of us who are givers don't learn that lesson. And some of us who were raised even in some 
some faiths that have taught us that it's, not, that it's more important to give than it is to receive. And that's true, but you have to be able to receive in order to be able to give. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. You have to be able to receive in order to be able to give. And unfortunately, it's almost becoming a cliche. Uh, watch yourself care. Take care of yourself. We don't tell people ways that you can do that often enough, right? in my right. opinion. So yeah. that's something I'm bringing into uh, our community group that I have is, you know, what's on your mind now? And here's a safe place for you mm-hmm. uh, to talk about it. and. You know, we celebrate things that people get to do to take care of themselves, but it's different for everybody. So you can't just hand somebody a list and say, you know, meditate and pray and all those things that you've already heard a million times, unless you talk to that person and, you know, find out what are they going through right now and how are they handling their nutrition, their sleep? um, What do they do to get out and commune with nature? you know, and what are the things that they, they really like to do. And for a long time, I wasn't doing anything I like to do, but work. And yeah. that's not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not, no matter how much you enjoy your work, you do have to, you know, you do have to take a break and no matter how much you feel like you're, you're giving, you have to be able to take this. So I'm, I'm really glad that you took that step back and, and, you know, recharge your batteries. I analogy I use with people all the time is, we are rechargeable batteries and I, I love rechargeable. I have rechargeable batteries all over the place. And the thing about a battery is it only has so much capacity, right? So we can only charge it up uh-huh. so much. And then once it starts to fade, you know, you've got to recharge it. You can't just keep running whatever it is the battery is running. And that's, so that's a, that's an analogy I use with people. Think of yourself as a rechargeable battery. And what are you doing to charge your battery? What, what things bring you energy um, as opposed to taking energy away and even medium readings, it's interesting. I, I know a lot of mediums, some mediums seem to get energized by doing readings, but most mediums, it's the other way around. It takes something out of them and they've got to put that back. Okay. Well, I definitely have um, an observation on that. We get a natural high, I think most of us, and mm. I have, I'm fortunate enough to have people I actually hang out with who do this work. Mm. Uh, a lot of people, there's like, we're in a silo and it's very lonely and i've gone out of my way to have friends that do the work and touch base yeah we don't always talk about it i mean sometimes we're just out at an art fair or something like that but we get that buzzing feeling we get that wow isn't the universe wonderful feeling and um but then you know within minutes or hours they'll be like a um depleted or mm. for some of us we get what i call the medium headache and it's it's literally this brow chakra or third eye that aches. Um, we get low on magnesium. We get low on potassium. We get dehydrated because the minerals are somehow being pulled from our bodies. 
And so that's pretty common. Some get vitamin D deficiency, but it's sort of like which came first, the chicken or the egg? Did you already have the vitamin D deficiency um, because there's some kind of immune thing going on with you? And because you've had an immune system issue, which I've had my whole life, um, did that make me more susceptible to having my energy drain? I don't know. I don't know exactly how it works. I just know that to do any work that you're going to work hard at, you've got to have a program for the food, nutrition, the hydration. Um, Alcohol is not your friend, even though I'm a certified specialist of wine. And um, we used to own wine and spirit shops in Florida. Mm. I have found over the years that I can only have maybe two or three ounces and that's it. And if it's a medium day, I can't have any. I'll have something else of a Coke. (laughs) People say Cokes are worse for you than wine, but, you know, there's just a lot of, um, I I almost said mindfulness, but I feel like my mind is already really full. Um, But there's a presence that you have to have in your, about your own body and your own life. Everybody Mm -hmm. that you have to have, it's like, you got to take your own physical temperature and what you do. But again, like you were saying, the people that care for other people forget to do that. And, you know, the universe has a way of getting your attention, like a gallbladder or an appendix that blows up or something like that. And I'm not saying that we all created all those things, but we we sure can get there a lot faster into medical trouble if we don't take care. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. So no. I understand that people saying that they get lifted up. With the readings, I do too, but there's a counterpoint to that. And that's not somebody that's doing, you know, five readings a day or typically. And if they are, I question, you know, how how long can you do this and how old are you? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Well, I know uh, I wanted to to kind of start at the end because I know a lot of people are curious about what's been going on with you because you did kind of step away for a little while, but yeah. For, and I always assume that everybody knows you because you're so famous, but for, but for people who don't know you, let's go back and tell people how you got into this work. And cause it's I'm always not famous. Fascinating. I'm not famous, Brian. I'm not famous well, and I don't really want to be. <laughs> well, you're famous to me. I've known you for a long time. Thank and you. You're, 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 you're an incredible to me too. And and I love, you know, your book is, is I always recommend your book to people, but pe- I, I like to introduce people, why people to know your backstory. Like, so from your childhood, you know, what was your childhood like? Um, I was a crazy kid, or at least I was labeled such by teachers and other students because I would see colors and spirits around teachers and other students and I couldn't shut up. And so I had a nickname of crazy Susie in grade school which is not fun. And it's like, man. Um, but I, tr- I, I finally got cute in high school and got popular again, but I also got smart about keeping my mouth shut about these things. So Brian, I was pretending to be sick as a child to not go to school. My mother got very, very concerned. And she talked to her dad, the Presbyterian preacher. Mm-hmm. And he set me down and said, you, you got to go to school. You have straight A's but you've got to go to school. What's going on? And I told him about the colors and lights and about, you know, being bullied. And to my surprise, he said, yeah, I see them too. Yeah, I see them too. And so that began a long series of me spending every weekend at the manse, which is what they call the house they give the preacher, the church Mm -hmm. gives. Mm -hmm. And I would, he'd pick me up Friday after school and we'd go to the movies 
afterwards we talk about the movies and we talk about all the spiritual stuff and things I saw. And then on Saturday, we'd go to the nursing homes because back then you didn't die in hospice. You died in a nursing home or at home or a hospital, right? We've got so many better ways to assist people with end of life now than we had then. So we go through the nursing home and I could point out where there was a light blinking over somebody's head. And that meant that they were going to die like imminently within a few days. I was never wrong. And I remember one day granddad went inside uh, the room and I would usually go and see the person in the room and they would reach out their hand for me and I'd hold my little hand and they were just so glad to see a child. And mm. I was like the child that just couldn't wait to go to the nursing home because I could see everything and loved everybody. And they loved me so much. And I was like, I always looked around and thought, why are there no other kids here? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, so my granddad told me to step out of the room and he closed the door and this soul passed. And I saw them walk through the door as a, as a soul, walking through the door and kind of looking at me like, Oh, you can see me, you know, and that's, I think that was that moment. I was probably eight or nine. That was that moment where like, I'm going to be doing this the rest of my life, but it took me a long time to get to the rest of my life. I I was like really secretive about going and sitting in development circle as an adult. Um, I had this great corporate career, university career, then a near-death experience in 2007, Mm-hmm. sort of set me back on my path. Not right away. I was pretty depressed that I felt like heaven kicked me out, but but it did set me back on my path, which is the spiritual work. Yeah. Do you mind talking about your NDE? I like talking about it because um, I don't feel like there are things that we have in common in the NDE literature, but I don't think there's a cookie cutter NDE. Like mm-hmm. I've had people say to me, I didn't see the, the tunnel and the light. So was this really one of those near-death things. And for me, it took a while, but to realize that that's what I had. So I was, um, I was at the allergy specialist. I've mentioned Florida a couple of times. We left there because it turned out I I was so allergic to mold. I think it was going to kill me. I had Mm. so many allergies to molds, but I was there finding that out, getting allergy tests. It was my second trip in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's like they punch your arm with allergens and see how you react. On my second trip, the technician said, I'm going to give you increased doses on certain things. We just want to, you know, double check. And I went into anaphylaxis mm. and doctors were working on me. Technicians were holding me up an ambulance was on its way. And um, they put um, an injection into me, but I felt like I had a lot of time in that minute or two, but I did completely stop breathing. My throat honked like a goose. It is the weirdest sound in the world and you can't control it. It's just coming out. And um, the last thing I said was help me, like help me. And then that's it. And I heard a pop and then I was standing behind myself, looking at myself with the technician on either arm holding me up. Um, a doctor on a phone and another doctor preparing an injection. And it was like in slow motion, they were all in slow motion and they looked scary Mm. to me. I wasn't afraid, but they looked bizarre. They looked Mm. 
they look like, Brian, they look like cardboard cutouts instead of people. They looked unreal, surreal. Um, their eyes were flat and shiny. It's like they didn't look alive to me. I thought, wow, that's strange. I even looked at the back of my head and saw where I needed to fix my hair because it was like mm-hmm. sunken in. You know, I've got a lot of hair, I have even more hair then. And I'm like, how am I looking at the back of my head? And and it's what was that popping sound? And then I started seeing all these swirling colors in the room. And I felt a little more lifted up. And then I heard music somewhere off in the distance that was awesome. And I wanted to go to that music. I I, I play um, piano, guitar, of course, organ. I have a ukulele. I've played flute. I love music. This was not like any music I'd ever heard. I wanted to get to the music, but then I felt big, strong arms behind me, holding on to me. And I knew it was my granddad, but I couldn't see him. I, you, I just knew. Hmm. And then while I'm being entertained <laughs> incredibly uh, well with these lights and music, and I'm like, oh, granddad, I want to see you. I want to hug you. Um, I heard this really strange ro- robot-like voice say, your work has not started. And uh, that's when they got that injection into me and I came back into this. Are you kidding me? This is torture. Cause I came back into this body that felt like it was a fire and the, for that first breath, I think that's the worst pain I've ever had in my life was that first breath back. And from there, you know, the ambulance came in, they had the defibrillators ready and the doctor put his hand up like, Nope, Nope. She's breathing. But they put me in the ambulance and then I saw my grandfather floating at the top of the ambulance and he stayed with me for quite a while in the hospital. They kept me overnight. I said, well, you're definitely allergic to something. It would be later. I would figure out it's the moles. We got to leave. We got to move. But I'll tell you something. If I hadn't had that NDE, I don't know how else the universe would have got my attention into you're living a selfish, self-centered life. You're all about your stock options, your boats and your cars. You're not the nicest person in the world because it's like at that level in a corporate um, HR development job, I was putting together packages to fire people, mm-hmm. you know, executives that had relocated their families from New York and things like that. And it's like, that's life that happens. But, you know, I had no feelings or compassion for those people. And immediately when I go back to work the next day, I'm all about love. I hate my job. Mm. <laughs> and uh, from there, I had to change my life. That's it. Wow. That's that's an amazing story. And I, you know, you you said a lot of good things there. Really interesting. I think the NDE is different. And, I, and I, that's why I love to hear the stories. And I think it's really important that people share them because people will say, if I didn't have the classic tunnel light life review, all, all the seven common elements of NDEs, I didn't have one. And it's like, that's not true. Those are just common elements, but they're not, they're not universal. Um, And the other thing I think is really, really interesting though, is how the NDE always seems to change people's lives. You come back, it's like a reboot. Yeah. Well, I became a heavy drinker right after it for a while because I did not want to follow the thread of why all of a sudden do I hate this job? I was in a PhD program. And the company was paying for most of it. 
And so I would do a weekend PhD program. I'd work so hard all week long. And I had my eyes on the prize. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm this career of mine is insanely good. And um, so I really didn't. I also had this feeling of why did heaven not want me? Why did my grandfather just let me get vacuumed back into my physical body? And um, a lot of resentment there and a lot of did I have I not been living my life right questions. So I kind of self-medic. I very much self-medicate. I'm going to own that um, for over a year, I'd say a lot of months, a lot of months. Um, I'd stay sober all day and hit that bottle the minute I got home. And that wasn't working for me either. Right. I worked with an executive who had been a Baptist minister and he sat me down one day and he had used my abilities many times. He would, he, we would look at talent, you know, who to bring in and he just hand me files and I put my hand on a file and, you know, tell them how to hire them, you know, where they work. You know, I worked with the high performance teams and stuff. So I think he felt like I should give her a hand. Right. And he goes, you got to change your life. This isn't working. You're going to get fired. And he would be the one to know. Hmm. And so I made my exit plan all at the same time as finding out you can't live in Florida because of mold and ended up in Arizona, had some family here. I'd visited one time and I'm like, I want to live in Arizona and, and changed, changed life, just completely changed life. And like I said earlier, now, if I have two or three ounces of alcohol, it's just enough to go with the food and celebrate it. But I can't, I can't drink like that. I don't even know who that person was that did that. But I was avoiding my personal truth. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what that was. I I I'm I was blaming heaven for not keeping me. I was blaming my grandfather for not holding on to me and taking me there where I wanted to go. Because once you feel that you want to go there, but you don't want to leave your life here because it's like all the challenges you have here will just kind of get revised in a, in sort of like a different template and you'll go through it again. Hmm. That's, that's my theory. So I I just had a lot of blame and then a lot of shame because remember I was hiding from almost everybody, the abilities that I had. And I felt, I had felt shame for having mediumship abilities. My mediumship abilities are pretty much through the roof. You know, I've done the testing, the university testing, the double blind, triple blind studies. That doesn't mean every reading is great. You know, you win a few, you miss a few, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. it's timing. It's all these things. But when you're taking your most unique gift, whether it's writing, whether it's art, whether it's being a good listener, um, a good parent, um, Whatever it is, and when you're taking your your best and most unique gift and you're shaming it yourself over it, or you're burying it or denying it or belittling it, you're belittling your own soul. Mm. And I was doing that with that wake-up call that I had. I was doing that with that gift. Something big had to happen, Brian, and it did. Yeah. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there, I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. 
I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, so I'm curious as to, and, and I hope you, you know this by now, that what you went through, that, that integration, that reintegration back in the world is very common. And I say this for yeah. you if you don't know it, but also for people that are listening. Uh, when people have NDEs, we hear about the great, things that come out of it. We hear about changed lives and less materialism and more altruistic and more loving. And that's all true. There's also can be depression. There can be yep. suicidal thoughts. There can be um, a feeling of rejection. You know, it's, it's interesting because us who haven't been there don't understand that, but I was rejected by heaven is, is a pretty common thought that people have. Yeah. And I thought it was all me and what I had didn't count because I didn't flatline on an uh, OR table with a bunch of surgeons over me. And then I finally found um, the IONS website, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I've gotten to speak over the years uh, in um, Arizona, a couple places, and also California in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And I've had people come up right afterwards and go, yeah, you know, I reacted like that too. And um, I didn't think it, I really had a near death experience, but I, I spent hours. I wasn't, I wasn't working on my dissertation anymore. I was online going, Oh my God, there's other people. And yeah. I can really call this a near death experience. And they've had, you know, you know, great integration, wonky integration. It's like your integration of any wake up call is going to be a function of your free will, what you accept that you're learning about yourself and about the world. And you're also your integration of emotions because what, what happens when you touch the other side, however it is, it doesn't have to be a near death experience, some experience of enlightenment or some experience of after death communication or ADC. When you touch that world, you get to decide of your own free will, what you do with the emotions from that. They're all going to be stirred up. It's almost like a big, big spiritual smoothie is being mm. made. You know, and it's all your emotions, past, present, your future trajectory. They're all like that smoothie is just sort of poured down your throat and you either process it or um, you spit it back out um, or like me, cover it up. And um, that that's the way that these wake up calls work. Don't think you have to have a near-death experience. Some people have been in just like a really bad car accident and mm -hmm. gone, wow, right when that car was you know, going to hit me, I saw my life review. Mm -hmm. We now know that is a form of a near-death experience, but you can even have just um, you know, a, a friend who crosses over and you, you start to evaluate your own mortality. There's a wake-up call there. What right. you do with it, always goes back to processing emotions. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious what you think about where that wake up call comes from. Is that from 
higher higher self from God from the universe? What are your thoughts? I think it's some. I think it's a blending. It's a mixture of uh, our spiritual team, our our own soul. We are our own guide. You know, there's that part of us that's always connected. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just saw a face in here in white. That's interesting. Okay. Don't know who that was, but they like the subject. But you know, there's that part of us that's always connected with the spirit world. We're not all here, and that's a good thing. But we've got guides, angels, beloved people, and pets in the light. We've got um goals and objectives that we'd like to meet while we're here. And I think there are meetings about this. I've I've attended some, I've had spirits come through and talk about we had a meeting. You know, you might be asleep. You might think you're just sleeping or dreaming, but you had a meeting. You had sort of a discussion. I think we're an active participant in our our path before we come here. And while we're here, I'm just not to the point that everybody has uh, experiences and everybody, every experience that happens to you was planned because that doesn't leave any room for free will. But, you know, that's one of the best questions I've heard is, you know, where does that wake up call originate? It's us. And it's, I I think it goes back again to emotions, Mm -hmm. not, not the ego emotions, but the raw emotion of, am I good enough? Am I measuring up? Am I meeting my, my soul's purpose here that everybody has? That's where it comes from. But definitely get, get like, it's a team effort. I'm glad you said that. This is a concept that's relatively new to me in the last four or five, six years, I guess. That, 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 because a lot of people will blame God or the universe or who sent me here and why am I here? Why am I being punished? And a lot of it, I think, is ourselves. Right? We, it's that higher self that we're connected to and we're all on a team. Uh, and that's, that's something that I, I, I really want people to, to grasp that because we, we don't feel so alone and we also don't feel so victimized by the things that happen to us. We don't feel so alone. We don't feel so victimized when we realize that we're part of something so much bigger and so perfectly, intricately beautiful as life. You know, life is love. Grief is love. You can't grieve. You can't grieve unless you've loved. Yeah. it's yeah. it's so intertwined and connected and so beautiful and you know the souls tell us from the other side the souls tell us that they grew so much growth to grief they grew so much from the grief but they can't have that experience where they are now and so it was it was incredibly important to have it here on the earth plane yeah well, I re- and this goes back to the, the first reading I ever had, which was with you. It was gifted by by a mutual friend, um, and you you didn't know me, you had no idea, you know, what was going to be happening. And you brought Shana through incredibly well. And you said something that I was you were the first person I heard say this that you know that Shana had said through you that this had to happen, that this this was planned, and that was the first time that seat was planted in my mind. Yeah, and there are big, big experiences that, you know, that would fit right in. We could check off a lot of goals, a lot of growth, a lot of learning, a lot of integration can come from that. I mean, we don't know that those things will come from it, but you ready to give it a try. And, um, but I still, I don't want people to feel like, you know, like death by suicide is part of a soul's plan. 
maybe it is, but it would have to be a really, really rare, 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 rare occurrence because we don't want to encourage people to leave their lives early, right? So it's like, where do you draw, where do you draw the line? Um, but if we get in some terrible circumstances and we have an exit point right around that time, like exit points seem to have like a, like an under a year expiration point on them. This is coming from somebody who sees the blinking light, you mm-hmm. know, if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm really connected with somebody and they they're gone within maybe a week, mm-hmm. they've gone home to heavenly home. But um, if you have that exit point and you attempt to die by suicide, it's going to happen. So maybe that makes it more acceptable to people left behind, but it's still grief is grief is grief is grief. Right. But yeah, it's so dangerous when you say a near death experience is so beautiful. Everybody should want to go there. No, don't, don't, don't hasten that departure. Because again, you know, there's the, there's goals and objectives here. Do you want to come back and go through similar or even tougher? I, I, I don't know. There's some kind of line there. I don't want to say never. I don't want to say always. Right. But there's, yeah, I think there's we have something to, here. I think we have to avoid the absolutes as much as possible. Right. And, and when it comes to suicide, I know that it's such a sensitive topic and we never right. want to encourage someone to take their lives. But if we say it's never planned, that's, that's an absolute also. Um, and, and I, and I, I'm coming to the conclusion because we always, we, we, as humans, we think things are binary. So there's either yes. everything is planned or there's free will. And I think that's some sort of mixture of both. Um, it's like light is a particle and light is a wave. And people right. say, well, which is it? It's both. Um, well, and, and I used to think that that can't be pre-planned. That just can't be. How could that, how could a loving source let that pre-planned, but be, you know, part of the deal. But if you think about it this way, you can't leave this earth unless there's an exit point around that time. Mm-hmm. So it it is part of the universe that someone could leave early. We just want to hang on to them till they get everything that they came here um, to learn about. That's all. Yeah. It's not a judgment. It's not a judgment. But I one time saw somebody advertise a class. Is is death by suicide part of your soul's plan? And I'm like, I wouldn't teach that class. Yeah, you know, I, I, but by the same token, if somebody finds comfort that that was going to happen regardless, I can tell you that was going to happen regardless because there's an exit point there, and that person yeah. wanted to leave. You couldn't stop it. You can't yeah. stop it. Yeah, and we do get so hung up some sometimes on the how when we know mm-hmm. we're all going to transition home <laughs> when we when yeah. we're born in this body, we know we're going to go home. It's only a matter of how and and when. And so for that, that is a tricky subject because we don't want to encourage anyone to take their life. Right. But on the other hand, for people that are left behind, that can be a comforting thought to know that that person, for example, is not being punished because there is a belief sometimes right. in some, some cultures that suicides are punished. And going back to us thinking only in, you know, choice A, choice B, binary terms, it's just not that simple, folks. Right. I mean, I will tell you, I've had um actual death threats against me because people misunderstand have misunderstood what I've said um about certain types of deaths. And all I'm saying is that um don't slap a never and always on things, but know that everything is orchestrated through love. Mm-hmm. And 
that's the bottom line. And there is no judgment or punishment on the other side. Even the life reviews people have told me about, they're reviewing the good stuff. They touch on the stuff where you get to feel how other people felt because of some action or inaction that you took. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's mostly pats on the back there. Like you made it through, you made it through, even no matter how you got there, you made it through, you went through experiences. So if somebody, you know, wants to hate on me because I don't want to encourage death by suicide, you can do that. But again, no departure from this earth can take place if there isn't an exit point there. So it might've been a car accident instead. It might've been, you know, it, it could have been cancer. It could have been any number of things because these physical bodies um, are designed to give out because it's not who we are. We are so much more than that. Right. Well, I think a very important lesson for me has been, um, is that idea that we are all going to go home and to stop looking at it as a tragedy. It, yes. it is from, it is from a very temporal human perspective, but if we can raise our perspective and people like you allow us to do that, that says that person didn't die, no matter how they transitioned home, whether they took their own life or it was an accident or whether it was sudden, whether it was lingering, they graduated. I love the term graduated. Yeah. That's and that that's the bottom line. And I would love to see death not be a dirty word, but the fact is for a lot of people, it still is. Mm-hmm. And even the two family members that transitioned, their physical bodies died uh, within 24 hours of each other, totally unrelated for me in the last mm-hmm. few months. Mm-hmm. Even with that, I'm like, yeah, the body's dead. It's death, but I'm hearing, can can you see me? Can you see me? Can you see me? And the bottom line is when you were really angry during grief, because I, you know, I, I think I felt that too, sure. is to be careful who we lash out of at mm-hmm. for that, because you don't know what that person's going through themselves. So we all have the, the troubles, but we have a lot of celebrations here on earth too. It is all worth it. Don't try to understand why certain things have happened in life because the answers are not going to be revealed in this world because our brains can't process some of these answers. Yeah. You know, that's interesting too, because um, I I, I think I forget who said it, but the philosopher said that, you, you know, life can only be understood looking backward, but it must be lived going forward. And as we get more years between us and the event that happened in the past, the pattern starts to unfold, even while we're here. I know when we go home, then we get all the answers, right? Then it's the aha. It's like we understand why things happen. But even while we're here, we could start to see some of the good that comes out of things that we think are are bad. Even if it might be even an illness that says, you need to take a break. Yeah. And I I, I cut right from why did it happen to what can I do with this? Yeah. You know, and that's what you've been teaching in your podcast and your book is what, what can I do with this? You know, as, as opposed to, because you can get in a loop of questioning why, 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 why are things so hard? And that's catastrophizing. When you look at cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. catastrophizing, you have to question, you have to look for the evidence. You're going to look for an evidence in an after death contact 
uh, or a reading with a medium, right? So when you think, why are things so hard? You have to look at the evidence of, are they so hard? Are they really? Or is it just this one major thing in your expecting everything to be hard. You look for the flip side of the evidence. Well, what are the things that I perceive as good and positive? How have I grown? How am I stronger? And it's a process. It's for some people, they get it, something of it in a day, but for most people, it's the rest of the life process. And that's okay. Cause this life is not that long. Even if you live to be over a hundred, it's not that long compared to your real life. Um, in our heavenly home, Valhalla, Summerland, whatever you want to call it. That's the real world. This is the dream. Doesn't take away any of the gifts or sorrows from earthly existence to know mm. that this is not real life. It's authentic. We're in it. We're having experiences, but it's not all there is. It's not the end all be all. Yes, I believe that with all my heart and that that to me is the way that i i get through you know and and um i like what you said about instead of asking the why asking what can i do with it um and and maybe even if you ask why like what what lesson is there in this and that's a that's a better question what lesson is there for me yeah and it doesn't mean that you were doing something wrong and that this is a lesson to to punish you or anything but it might be something to knock you off the path you were on uh, an example I use with people now, and this happened to me 20, 25 years ago, I was fired from a job, a job where I was making really good money working for Sun Microsystems at the height of the dot-com, but no boom. And I was doing pretty well, but there was another job that was a big risk for me to take, but I didn't. I wasn't going to take it. I wasn't going to leave a job like with Sun to go work for this. It was 100% commission. It was opening a new territory for this small company. But when I got fired, it forced me to consider that opportunity, which I did and led me to like learning how to be an entrepreneur and starting my own business and even doing what I'm doing today. So if I had never been fired from a job, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. So, you know, that's an example of how like you could say, did the universe orchestrate that or did I do something with it? Yes. Both. Yes. Both. It's yeah. the dance. That is the dance in our lives is two steps forward, two steps back, side to side, spin around. I mean, we just, we cannot predict because we're co-creating. And I think we shouldn't try to predict. It's funny because a friend of mine working for a psychic hotline said, would you believe they can do five minute readings and somebody will get on the call and go, when am I getting married? How many children am I going to have? And when do I meet my partner? Hmm. Go. And it's like, wait. You know, you could spend five minutes explaining how you're co-creating your life, but, um, you know, we, we want answers. We want them now. We want them fast. And I give that example, not to poke fun at anyone, but to illustrate, you know, the, the Mick reading, um, and the Mick prediction, you know, I want it fast. I want it now. Life is, is an unfoldment. As you said, we can understand it looking back but you've got to have patience with yourself Mm -hmm. in doing that, not judge yourself. Um, It's so easy to think that you're a failure at at something because things aren't going the way that you expect them to go. But if you can find a way to take good care of yourself, to accept and give compassion wherever possible, forgiveness wherever possible, and stay open and see the world through new eyes, 
you can get to that point of looking back going like like you've said before this had to happen so that that would happen so that the other thing would happen i would understand when you get to that point it's like all of a sudden there's this dawning of the reality of there's only so much time left here and i've got to bring my a game yeah. well what if we could as soon as we're adults here start bringing our a game right away that leads me to telling you i really have a lot of confidence in the new generations of um, humans hmm. that are, are growing up and being born right now that they're cutting out a lot of the of the um, lifelong angst and getting right to it like there's no discussion of is there life after physical bodily death they're like oh yeah i know that the question is how to get the most out of this life now hmm. our you know our generation a lot of us think it's to that till 40 they're yeah. like they're becoming like that in high school now i think that bodes well for the future of humanity interesting you're the first person i've heard say that uh yeah talk about that some more well there's this sense of uh, the the new generations are that um, people of our generation and older, because we're not very old, we're still pretty young, right? Um, but but that we're looking at that generation as being entitled and lazy. Everybody gets a trophy just for showing up and all of that. Mm -hmm. But they're the ones that are sort of cleaning up our messes, mm -hmm. you know. And our messes are are it's it's not a, like a really a judgment because life is messy. But they're coming in born with more intuition, born with more acceptance of their own intuitive voice. And it's not going to take them very long to start trusting their own intuitive um, inner vision and voice. Whereas the number one complaint I get from people my age and older in classes are, I get all these great hits of intuition, but I don't trust them enough and I don't do anything with them. They're coming to trust a lot faster. And you can call them whatever crystal name you want to give them as a new generation. But the bottom line is we're evolving as humankind. We're evolving. We're bringing more of our soul selves into our existence. For some mm -hmm. of us, it's happening later in life. But these new new folks being born are coming here with it. A lot of it. Interesting. You know, yeah. There's exceptions to everything, but there's yeah. a, I see auras. Yeah. I can never turn off clairvoyance. And I can... I can look at a group of younger people. A lot of high schoolers were in the grocery store for some reason the other day. I, I hit the store just right. Mm -hmm. And they're all kind of, you know, being giggly and having fun. But most of their auras, I could see, they were just like on fire with spirit contact. They were just like crown chakras wide open, huge auras, white or pink, like heart chakra. And um, yeah, there was some purple and things like that. But when I look at it, grown people, um, mature adults, I don't see a lot. I don't see a lot of that. It's mm. like the head's down. The crown chakra is pretty narrow in terms of its, its opening, its connection, and um, it's like life has got them down a lot of times. And we've had some hard years here. There's a lot to grieve. Yeah. There's a, there's yeah. people who've lost businesses, who've um, you know lost their health, lost their loved ones. It's been a rough couple of years. It's not affecting them as much as we think it is on the younger person's side. They're coming in here sort of like challenge ready. And we can choose to help them with that or we can choose to shut them down. I'm going with we're going to help them with that because I'm the optimist. I'm the realist hyphen optimist 
that they're the ones that are going to take care of this planet. Well, uh, wow, that's great. I, I love hearing that. And it's, and I love that perspective, you know, because we do, I tell people it's, the, it's, this is the YOLO generation. It's like, you only live once. And I've got a 25 year old daughter. She's very responsible. She's got her master's degree. She's working and all that stuff, but you know, she's traveled more than I have. She's 25. She's going to Iceland in a couple of months. She's in, in middle of December. She and her friends are going to Iceland. I'm like, why would you do that? Because they want to experience life. They want to have adventures. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't yeah. buy souvenirs. They buy experiences. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And at our, our age, we were like being told, okay, it's time to, to button down and work on right. your career. Right. And and we can look at it, we could say, okay, well, they've given up because sometimes people say, well, they've given up because they're not going to have a better lifestyle than we than we have. And but I I love the way I love your perspective on that. Yeah, well, I see it. I, I yeah. just I cannot deny what I see with my clairvoyant eyes, and I can feel it. I I feel like our some of our greatest uh, holy men and women who are going to walk this earth have just been born in the last twenty years. Interesting. Wow. That's good. That's good to hear. So speaking of that, and that kind of kind of segues a little bit into, you know, some people say the veil is thinning, that things that th- the veil is thinning and we're about to have this breakthrough. What are your thoughts on that? It's always been pretty thin, but we're accepting that lack of division more. There's more education. There are more um, television programs, books to read, things like that. In in everything that you read, and about spirituality, uh, about connection with spirit guides or loved ones who live in the light, it, it all has a cumulative effect. Because if you think back years ago, there were no like psychic kids TV shows. Um, you know, when Ray Moody published his book, it's like something opened up, but then it was a little quiet for a while or scientists were working behind the scenes. Now it's like I research for at least an hour every day. I know you do something very, very similar I'm I'm torn in 10,000 directions about whose podcast to watch um, along the spirituality uh, subject matters or, you know, mm-hmm. so it's starting to sink in and it's sinking in through the collective consciousness. We have teachers showing people how to create in the quantum field where things get created before they're brought here into our reality. Didn't have that a few years ago. So is the veil getting thinner? I think we're, if it is, I'll put it this way. We are the ones we have been waiting for to thin the veil. Hmm. We're making that happen. If that's really what's happening, could it be an acceptance of our connection with um, beings from other dimensions, other worlds? Uh, the 2017 uh, announcement uh, about the Navy saying UFOs are real. That sat for five years before anybody really did anything with it. What's yeah. going on there? So these things take a lot of time. But the point is, I think we have more control over that separation between worlds than we are ready to acknowledge. Again, I love that perspective. And it, what it reminds me of, because I always say, you know, this this atheistic, materialistic world that we live in, that we think has always been here, it's only been for the, about, about the last 200 years. We That's used right. to be a lot more connected to the other side. And I, I, I listen to a lot of Swedenborg, and Swedenborg says the natural state of mankind is to be connected to the spirit world. 
in a way where we can literally talk to our loved ones in the spirit world. There was yeah. visiting back and forth. And we moved away from that as, as we moved mankind. away. Yeah. And so I think we're returning to where we were. So the idea of the veil thinning, I, I kind of push back on that too. But I like your perspective. It's more like we're becoming, we're just going back to where we were. We're becoming more accepting of the fact yeah. that there and really isn't that much of a veil. There, yeah. And, and we're also vicariously riding that wave of energy that new generations of humans being born are bringing us mm. fresher mm. from the other side, so to speak, but also um, not evolved in a politically correct way, but evolved in terms of you know, it's like they're walking in with more intuitive intelligence. They're coming out of the womb with more intuitive intelligence. And I, I just go back to, I believe what I experience more than anything else. And I see this, yeah. I can see their interactions with people. And there, that day that I've dreamed about my whole life, where anyone who wants to can and will make their own direct connection with their own beloveds who now live in spirit that day, that day is, is the approach is, is hastening. Mm. And um, our challenge as the so-called grownups on this earth right now is to encourage the children is mm. to encourage the the 20 somethings that we think um, are lazy or barely making it. They, they may not be making a lot of money, right now, how we measure, you know, success in our world, but they're making the earth more of a paradise little by little, step by step. And that they're, you know, people used to say things like, well, you know, kids have to have a good education because one day they're going to administer our retirement programs and run our government programs and be our doctors and, and therapists and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's so much more than that that's they're us it's like energies get recycled in 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 my humble opinion energies get recycled hmm. what we're putting out into the world they're sort of like purifying cleaning up um redoing and i i don't feel like it's it's any accident that we're having so many uh, wars and corporate greed and um conspiracies and conspiracy theories choose whether it's a it's a theory a lot of times today's theory is tomorrow's truth who knows Mm -hmm. but they're they're digging into these things and they're questioning in ways where we just our whole point in our generation and and above was get your education get your good job get married raise your family make sure you own your house you know because back then people could more easily own a house, they're coming in going, I want to change the world or I want to help someone or be part of something that changes the world. Wow. (laughs) Talk about a shift. And we need that right now. I will say that there is a time and it's around um, Samhain or Halloween where the veil is intrinsically uh, easier to broach. Mm -hmm. And we're recording this pretty close to yeah, that time yeah, about two weeks yeah yeah it but the rest of the year i i think it's it's more us well i i love that perspective and thanks thanks for sharing that um and, and i love your your i think you said you're realistic optimist uh and i think that's you can be both right so you're we, we're realistic but 
we can look at everything from from different perspectives. So we can look at this generation as being you know lazier, or we can look at them as saying, "I'm going to have different values." And our values, and this is Brian saying this, our values are destroying the planet. Um, I just saw yesterday that a billion crabs have disappeared. They just canceled crab season for this for this year for the first yeah. time ever uh, because the water is too warm. Um, you know, and and the younger generation is saying. We got to, we've got to fix what you guys have done to our planet. Um, and it's, and it's not just physically, I think it's also our, our spiritual state, our, our lack of spirituality for a lot of us. And I think that's, that's where it starts for me. Um, yeah. We're, we're in a cycle where certain things are disappearing, maybe for now, maybe forever. Certain things are being destroyed, but other things are being created. And it's, it's important to know that they're a bigger perspective of the life of the earth of, of Gaia mother, father, nature itself, that, you know, the earth sheds what it doesn't need, and then it regrows something new. And the way that I look at this is this is this is a down cycle and in terms of species disappearing and things like that, but there's going to be another mm-hmm. up cycle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, we may be on the other side by the time it comes, but yeah. we can entrust it to the humans that are here. Who, who else is helping with this? Our spirit guides. Who are saying like, hey, Earth is our vacation land, or it's our playground. We've loved it forever. You know, we'll we'll come and and stay and check it out. And these could be interdimensional beings. These could be highly evolved teachers. They're not going to save anything for us, but they're going to whisper in our ears and encourage us. Hey, don't throw that out here, or you know, be part of this cleanup effort or whatever it is, because they've loved the Earth even far longer than we have, but to say somebody's going to save us or change this or an extraterrestrial ship's going to come down, which may happen yeah. and tell us all to do better and be better. And then they're going to wave some kind of uh, ray at the earth and make it all normal again. That's not how it works. We're the ones yeah. we've been waiting for. Yeah. You know, they're, these, these are helpers. Our spirit guides are helpers. They're not going to change or fix anything. They're not going to change or fix us because mm-hmm. of free will and because of, um, cause and effect in the realities of uh, we have to be accountable and mm. we've got it mixed up. Uh, a, a lot of people think the accountability is I cross over and somebody's going to judge me. It's not like that. We're accountable here. And now when you get to the other side, it's kind of like, you're like, wow, man, I wish we could have done this or I could have been part of that. Um, the accountability is here. And now the mm. other side is just, looking back, remembering and trying to influence uh, other people on the earth for good. But the accountability is here and now for the earth, for ourselves, for each other. We got to take care of each other. We got to take care of our animals. We got to stop cruelty. Um, it's however we can through action, inaction. We, it, that, that's where the accountability is. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for saying that. I just realized we are uh, just about out of time. So before we wrap up, do you have any any projects to work on? What's coming up with you uh, in, the, in the near future? I don't know when this is going to air, but I, I have a an online spirit guides retreat that I, I try to give away something at Christmas when I, I can. And so I'm doing that. It's actually November 15th and 16th. And you can register on my website. And another film project is coming out. I had to write the name down, The Life After Death Project 3, Seance Encounters. Seven years ago, uh, I did an experimental 
research stay in a so-called haunted house with Dr. Mm. Gary Schwartz, a team from the University of Arizona, and all the equipment, bells and whistles you can imagine, and let a seance there that had some of the folks that you know on the other side who work with the cell phone Mm. show up there. And that film's coming out on, on Amazon Prime any day now, maybe even by Halloween. But the bottom line is uh, we love having our classes. We love meeting people online and I have things streaming and I'm working on a book. So I'd, I'd say I'd say the agenda is pretty full right now, yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to take much. care of myself. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We, you know, the thing is we can work, but we have to pace ourselves. We've got to, we've got to build in that self care and, um, so I, I'm glad I'm glad you took the, the the break that you did. I'm glad that you're you're back in yeah. and working. What's your um give people your website so people can find you? Well, if you go to carefreemedium.com and the forward slash uh grief is the word we use, forward slash grief. I've got a gift for oh. anyone who's listening to this, but the website's carefreemedium.com. And there you can hit the menu button and you can find my new podcast which is carefree and conscious and brian is one of my very first guests on this podcast yeah thank you it was it was great sitting down with you that's going to be coming out probably before this before this airs i also want people to know about your book because i I recommend your book to everybody so Mm -hmm. real quickly tell me about about your book it's called soul smart and throughout i give soul smart tips about how to communicate with your guides and your beloved people and pets and spirit the tagline is um, what the dead teaches about spirit communication. And it really is a how-to ABC one, two, three to, you don't have to go get a reading with the medium. You can do this yourself and you follow the steps. I've heard from people all over the world having success with it. So thanks yeah. for reminding me of that book. I'm so focused on the next one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a fantastic resource because people ask me like, is this a sign? Is this a synchronicity? You answer those mm-hmm. questions. And more importantly, how do I increase my chances of getting a sign or get, and getting a synchronicity? And it's a, it is, it's a how-to book. It's a resource book. So uh, I do recommend it to people. Suzanne, Thank it's, you, Brian. <laughs> yeah. It's been so good to sit down and talk with you again, and uh, I'll see you soon. I really appreciate you. You know that. Keep giving back as you do, and you take care of yourself too, my friend. All right. Have a good afternoon. Okay. Thank you. Hey there. If you liked this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.